Welcome back to season six, Practice Purchased. We are talking all about successful transitions this season. And one of the most frequently asked questions in the process of transitioning from an old owner to a new owner, you as the buyer, is the process of advertising and marketing and making sure you don't lose a bunch of patients that you're paying a heck of a lot of money for and attracting new patients into the practice so that the, uh, the financial ROI, the return on investment is there for you as a buyer. Uh, so as I thought about who I wanted to talk to about this topic, it was really kind of funny and kind of fun for me because I thought to myself, well, I'm going to be like a dentist here. I'm going to go out and just Google dental marketing expert, dental marketing consultant, and I'm going to poke around and see who I find, who I like. Now, I have some contacts in the industry, of course. I know, generally speaking, who does a good job and who doesn't. But just for fun, I went out and you know acted like you guys to see who actually kind of walks the walk and who is good at marketing their own dental marketing business. And lo and behold, one of the contacts that I know and trust and like was right at the top of the list, uh, Grace Rizza, who owns Identity Dental Marketing. Uh, she is, uh, she's been doing dental marketing for years and years. Uh, she's very active on social media. She's very active in the marketing of just the general knowledge that dentists need to understand some of the basics, some of the tactics, the specifics, the nitty gritty, uh, mindset shifts, everything that dentists need to understand about how to successfully get the right patients through the door, keep them there and make them happy so that they come back and that you serve them well, of course, clinically, but that they enjoy the experience and they tell their friends and uh, they book the rest of their family and all the things that you may want as a new owner. So in this episode, I talk with Grace about some of the basic questions to ask about the marketing and advertising budget of a practice you might be considering. How would she think about that as a potential buyer of a, as a, of a practice? What would she focus on first if she were a new buyer in terms of the marketing ad, and advertising? What are some of the foundational marketing pieces that are that need to be in place that don't necessarily cost money? Uh, you don't have, I don't have to go out and hire a consultant to do that I can start doing from maybe day one, maybe day 31 or 91. And, and then when would be the right time, if ever, to hire outside help for marketing? What should they be doing? You know, how much should I spend? Um, what's reasonable? And uh, where would I maybe be wasting some money? So with that in mind, let's listen to um, Grace Rizza with Identity Dental and um, enjoy the episode. Grace Rizza, Identity Dental, thank you for being part of Practice Purchase. Grace, how many dentists have you helped um, throughout your career, just as a, as a baseline? Oh, boy. Can you even Probably pick a number? Through my career, I, I really can't. I, I speak to five to seven a day on average, and I've been doing this for about 13 years. Um, I don't know. We're in thousands. the thousands then. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Um, as you know, practice purchased audience are mainly folks who have recently bought a practice, they're buying a practice, or they're going to buy a practice. Um, you know, what are some, when should someone, um, let, let's just kind of say invest in advertising first as a general concept. And then bef before, I don't want to assume that invest in advertising means hiring necessarily a company, but you know, just think with me about some of your buyer clients who are in that stage of just like trying to run payroll and, oh my gosh, like, do I really want Susie at the front desk, right? They're dealing with just the ownership. Like, oh my gosh, I'm running a dental practice. Investing in advertising almost, it, it feels like this afterthought, I think for most dentists. So give me a sense of like, what is realistic here? When should a dentist start actually thinking about advertising? 
So I'm going to, I'm going to kind of change the question um, to say marketing, because not all dentists actually need advertising per se. And so the difference is marketing is really anything you do that's going to build your reputation, build your brand. So kind of a broader phrase, whereas advertising is when you're paying for X amount of space on a certain platform. And so there's a lot of marketing that takes place that isn't advertising Um, And if we're looking kind of big picture at marketing, it exists whether you're investing in it or not. So your reputation exists, whether you're thoughtfully crafting it or you're just letting it happen, Mm -hmm. it's there. And so I would say no matter your circumstance, you have marketing, it's have you thought about it? Have you thought about how it is making an impression on your community and your target audience? Or is are you just kind of a victim of circumstance when it comes to your marketing? So I think the biggest misconception is that you can be in existence and have no marketing. Like that's not even a thing. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, and so buyers who are thinking, so if I broaden the definition, which by the way, I love, I'd, and I'd love to say that I purposefully planned for you to do that, but no, I, I didn't. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I was too stupid to recognize the difference. Um <laughs> As buyers are are evaluating then a potential seller, right? They're thinking about buying this practice. What types of thing would you would you be looking at as a buyer to evaluate someone else's marketing and decide whether or not you want to buy their practice? The first thing I look at is where are the new patients coming from and why are they coming to this practice? Are they coming because Dr. Brian Hanks is the best? with anesthesia, with, you know, topical, I don't feel a thing. And so, and, and then here you, you come new owner bull in a China shop and it's like, let's just get it done. That's that you're going to have an issue there. So I look at, are they coming just based on that doctor's personal brand? Has that doctor always functioned on his personal brand and personal reputation? Or is there an umbrella brand that me as a new owner I can embrace that umbrella brand. I can get behind what it stands for. And and that's going to make for an easier transition Mm -hmm. for me. So either way, it's possible. But you just want to know where you're starting so that you can plan the marketing for your individual circumstances. What are some intelligent questions that I can ask and actually get some answers to? Because if I go into a dental practice, first of all, if I ask the front desk, even if I'm allowed to talk to the staff, right, their answer is going to be, hmm, it's going to be unscientific. It's going to be, oh, generally patients say this. And I think that's directionally helpful. I think if you ask most sellers, most doctors in their 50s, 60s, 70s, they're going to have a vague sense also, but they're not going to have hardcore data to say, oh, of our last 100 patients, you know, 80% check the box because uh, I do the best, um, whatever, you know, pain-free shots and... um, so how can I how can I assess the answer to that question from an outsider's perspective and actually get some useful data here? It's very, I agree, very few have actual data. Very few even know how many new patients they're seeing on a monthly basis, <laughs> let alone true. where where they came from, let right. alone why they chose you. Like very few have that or collect that data. But I would say whoever is answering the phones, they have a general idea. They have a general idea of who, what is our ideal patient for this practice and why are they choosing us? And just take whatever information you have, because there's really no reason, I shouldn't say there's no reason to lie. There's certainly a reason to lie. 
Um, but I would say the person who's answering the phones probably has the most information on why the patients are coming in. Okay. So, so it sounds like, so, <laughs> um, speaking of lying, <laughs> um, a lot of buyers aren't, uh, they are told that they can't talk to the staff before money changes hands mm. and legal documents have been signed. Um, I notice how I phrase that they have been told, um, that, a lot of buyers will phrase, I can't, and that's not actually literally true. So here's what I do is I tell them, well, have your roommate, have your cousin, have your mom, have you call the practice and talk to that front desk person in and whoever's the best at kind of casual conversation, right? Whoever the party animal is that you know in your life, have that person call the front desk, whoever picks up the phone, get to an answer in that question or you yourself. I've even done this call, call for my clients, Grace. I've said, hey, I called the office and I did. I talked to Stacy at the front desk and I mentioned that I was a potential new patient. And I just asked like, why did, you know, I was just Googling around and I couldn't figure it out. Why do people, what is it that most people tell you, Stacy, about, uh, you know, why they come to this office? And guess what? I get an answer every time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's funny to see because you have these transitions happen and sometimes the information you get when you're purchasing, uh, when you're in that process, isn't what actually happens after you purchase. So you want to do as much research up front as you can. Um, but it, it can be pretty obvious, I would say. Um, even just by looking at somebody's website, typically mm. you can tell, you can tell their service mix, you can tell kind of what they stand for. Um, if they have that, I had a recent experience where an, a buyer um, is at the last second of this transition. And she said, but the seller wants to take his Google reviews with him because he's moving a couple hours away and those are his. And she's like, do you think that I should step away from this? I'm like, I'm a marketer. Yeah. I'm like, I can yeah, tell yeah. you the implications of those 33 reviews that you could oh probably gosh. get from friends and family. I was like, right. I wouldn't let it blow up the deal personally. Yeah. But you, it does, those, those things do contribute to goodwill and they do contribute to the value sure. of the practice. So, yeah, I mean, great. You can get me 33 reviews in an afternoon, right? Right now. I'm just kidding. I, I know I that I know the, the, could. the trick I in marketing could. is overpromise yeah. and then underdeliver. I was, I was, um, but I, you, you actually probably could. <laughs> <laughs> How much should a buyer? Okay. So they, they evaluate the practice. They decide it's a good one for a multitude of reasons, advertising and marketing being one of them. Um, they look at the budget and long-term. Okay. So I'm an owner of a dental practice. Now I feel like I have my feet underneath me. Talk to me about money first. What amount of money should I be spending on my marketing budget? If I have kind of, you know, I have a growth plan, but I'm not necessarily looking to take over the world this year. Or I'm not looking to sell to a DSO in, in two years from now. I'm looking to have a nice 10, 15, 20-year career in this location and do a good job and see some see some aggressive growth, but some normal growth. What should my budget be? And how do I know how much to spend? If I have to give a number, I will. Okay. Um, I'm very weird about marketing planning. I ask a lot of very specific questions, like how many new patients are you seeing without investing? How many would you like to be seeing? What types of new patients? And then I break down how much it costs to attract an implant patient or an Invisalign patient in your market. And then I give people their options. And it's not a set for me, not being an accountant, being a creative, it's not a set number for me. But if I, ha if I was hard pressed 
pressed to give a number, I'd say four to 6% of collections should go back into marketing for a healthy growing practice. That's not outgrowing what you can serve. You know, it's not just about how many um, butts and seats can we get. It, it is about maintaining your long-term reputation or your brand. And so you don't want to go crazy. Um, you want to pace your internal resources with your growth rate. And there's going to be a little bit of this, a little bit of the, the up and down, but you don't want to just skyrocket the new patients and then lose your reputation. I like it. And I love that your answer has some subtlety to it because it is it is easier than saying, well, I, I collect a million dollars. I should spend forty to $60,000, AKA, uh, or in place of a brand new Lexus every year, $50,000 Lexus. Um, the, the, the number is helpful to give me a sense, right? But you're right. The the real answer here is what types of patients do you want to see? Like the guy that I see, my dentist, he is a wizard at composite veneers and and bonding, the composite bonding that make your teeth. I haven't used it yet, but maybe I will someday. But his office is just so well run and um, and his hygienists are awesome and they always start their appointments on time and all of the things, right? But um, he wants those big one-time cases, right? Versus, versus a different doctor who really likes the bread and butter. They love the relationships. They want to see the whole family. They, they're going to see, they're going to want uh, maybe fewer new patients per month, but they're going to want to see the longevity. They're going to see patient retention. They're not going on a, right? Cause I can, I have, and I see a lot of practices where we saw 50 new patients a month for the last 24 months. And I'm like, great. Why are your collections going down? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you're putting water in the top of the bucket and more water is dripping out the bottom of the bucket. And anyway, so th- there's a subtlety to the answer here that depends on how I want to do it, where I want to, you know, take my career, the type of patients I see. And there is a number that kind of helps me uh, know that if I'm only spending 1% on my marketing budget, maybe I'm, I'm under-investing in my marketing. Yeah. I mean, you could yeah. be in a market where you're the only game in town. And yeah. I'm not going to come in there and tell you to spend 4 to 6% on marketing when you're at capacity, you have nowhere to put them. And your struggle is is getting another hygienist on board so that you can accommodate the demand in your market. So yeah. I'm very careful about the giving numbers and giving average. Every person I talk to has such a unique situation and such a different goal. And so the marketing shouldn't be a one-size-fits-all approach. It really has to meet you where you're at. Perfect. Two more questions, Grace. Yeah. First is what, and I love you broadened my definition of marketing. Um, what what are some of like the minimum things I should be doing before I run off and spend $10,000 on SEO ads with Google? Like, are there some basics that I should have in place as a foundation of my marketing efforts? Make sure that you can appoint those patients. I know okay. that sounds incredibly basic, but if you are let's say building a startup or building an almost startup, like you bought a practice, but it had very few active patients. You're very dependent on the marketing and gaining momentum. So you're going to associate while you build and someone is answering the phones three days a week for four hours and you've got ads running at 8 PM, but nobody to field those leads, nobody manning an inbox, nobody 
available live, we're now in a world where people want things immediately. I can get groceries at my front door in an hour. If I get a break to book appointments for me and my family at a dental practice, if I can do it online, if I can do it through your website, it's more likely to happen. So people need to be uh, malleable to what the world needs. And there's a lot of people in dentistry that are kind of stuck in, well, I'm not doing that because I'm going to lose control over my schedule. Too hard for my schedule. Yeah, I hear that every time. Yep. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's the kind of people who find a solution to every problem. There's people who find a problem to every solution. And so we've got to be open-minded. We've got to be solution-oriented. And um, we shouldn't be throwing... Uh, money at new patient acquisition if we can't actually get those patients in. I was thinking you were meant just even my availability, like right? my hygiene's already booked out six weeks. If somebody calls me, they're not going to want to that too. eight. Yeah. Okay. But you're even talking who's, who's even picking up the phone or answering the the text message or the little chat box on my website. Okay. I yeah. Like, it. It, yeah. like, is it, is it handled? And now the more marketing that we add on, We have to get more sophisticated with our lead nurturing processes. If someone messages me on Facebook or Instagram, they get an automatic response with solutions to whatever problem they may have. So that even if you don't have a physical person there handling everything, you can point people in the direction that they need to go in. Perfect. And so I don't like to over leverage automation, but there is a place for it right now. Okay. Anything else as a kind of foundation for my marketing efforts? Uh, your brand, your logo. Yeah. Is it modern? Is it an extracted tooth? I've been talking about this for 15 years, but <laughs> is it is it an extracted tooth? Are we still acting like people come to the dentist to get a tooth ripped out? Or have we advanced our, our individual brands beyond the symbol? I blame um, the graphic designers, by the way. They see dental and they just get excited because they never get to use the tooth logo in their list of little pictures and Images. Yeah. I I blame the dentists because even when I tell them (laughs) not to to go with the extracted tooth, they're like, my sister-in-law is a graphic artist and she did my logo and I love it. I'm like, okay, (laughs) great. If I don't, if someone doesn't ask me for my opinion, I don't assert it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I see foundational branding, like red is not your color. Mm. Don't pick the color of blood and Mm. stop signs to represent your dental practice. So there's psychology behind branding and um, it matters. Brian goes to look at his uh, DBA logo with red in it and thinks, anyway, okay, let's go. No, your logo is fine. You're not a dentist. You're not pulling teeth. You're fine. (laughs) When should a doctor invest in outside help with their marketing budget? Um, Again, acknowledging the reality that those first 30 to 60 days of business ownership are just, you know, hell, right? I'm, I'm trying to keep my head on my shoulders and make sure payroll gets run realistically, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm going to work on my foundational stuff. I'm going to make somebody's picking up the phone. My website looks clean. The logo is good. It doesn't have a tooth in it. Um, it, when do I actually call you grace? And when is the right time? I'm like the worst salesperson in the world. I'm <laughs> like, you know, call me when it hurts, like call me whenever you're ready. But realistically, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to something else a little bit. I'm going to talk to mindset for a quick second. Yeah. Yep. Too many people act like marketing is this hard to understand foreign thing. And the most successful dental practice owners like marketing. They embrace marketing. They have fun with marketing. They find it empowering. They find it to be something that they look forward to. 
if if you can set your mindset around it as something that can accelerate your growth and something that empowers you in business, you're going to have a much easier time with it if you try to actually understand it just a little bit. Um, so I don't think it, it's it's never too early to think about your brand, to think about your new patient acquisition strategy, to think about your ideal target market, your ideal new patient, and then start speaking to those people specifically. Too many people try to cast a very broad net. They try to be everything to everyone, and they end up just getting lost in the chaos of the digital world, um, and they, they lack the ability to make a footprint and to even be remembered because they skipped that foundational stuff. So is I that would something say, you help with? Like and when I go through your process, I'm, you're going to help me identify what, who my core customer is and what they need and want. Okay, cool. I do. I do always talk about that. Um, and I interview all of our new clients and really dig into who they are and, and, and who is ideal for their practice before talking about tactics. Mm, like you have yeah. to go big picture before you dig into the details. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. So um, when there's, yeah, there's some pain. So I'll rephrase what you said. You tell me if I've got this right. The dentists who do well at marketing and and have the types of careers that they feel fulfilled in, they they think of themselves as a business owner who happens to be a dentist rather than a dentist who happens to own a business. Yes, but they don't even know what that means. Yeah. So, so yeah. They've, they're sm- and they're smart enough to call and hire people to do the things that they're not sure how to do, right? I mean, I can run my payroll through QuickBooks, but when it comes time to, I'm an accountant and guess what? I have somebody else do my payroll because I don't want to deal with the IRS filings. Um, I outsource my bookkeeping, even though I know how to do it. I outsource my help with like some of my social media stuff you talked about. Like I just, um, I recognize where my skill set is. I try to get really good at that one thing. And then I get interested in, and I love doing some of the the other things about business, but I'm not afraid to hire an expert, which is what you're, I think you're saying. Is that right? I, I am saying that. Um, I would also say read mm. business books. Mm-hmm. I um, have learned so much in my career and even at a very young age from just picking up a book every day and just reading. Do you have uh, a favorite reason- marketing dental book? It's something to do with marketing that a dentist could get some value. Not of. even marketing. Like I feel like marketing is a piece of the puzzle, but you really have to embrace like the whole picture. I love Traction by Gino, w- Gino Wickman. I'm, I'm a huge Traction fan. I've read it on my bookshelf behind it, me. Yep. Yeah, I've read it eight times. Nice. Um, I like extreme ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, I took that one a little too far. Um, I, I've got I wanted some to blame the sister-in-law, but you did extreme ownership. It is the dentist's fault. I caught that. Yes. Yes. That. Yes. Yeah. I did do, I did, did read that book. And there's, I mean, there's tons. I like, there's a book called the discomfort zone hmm. by Marsha Reynolds. It's not real famous, not real popular, yeah. but one of the most difficult things a business owner could, could learn how to do most important things I should say is to have difficult conversations. It's to confront that employee who's not showing up. It's to confront that client who's or that patient who might be abusing your team. You, in order to be a strong leader, you have to be able to have difficult conversations. And so um, it all feeds into yeah. the same bucket of leadership. It. Yeah. Grace, identitydental.com is where folks can go to just the website. Uh, where would be, I know you have podcasts, you have social media, where would be a great place for folks to start and be introduced to you and your team and some of the processes that you help with? Thanks. Yeah. If anyone's looking for ways to grow their practice or they just want me to take a look at, at their current marketing, 
um, I would go to identitydental.com and it's, that's probably the best place to start. The schedule, the consultation uh, button at the top of the page, I know works mm -hmm. great. Okay. Thank yeah. You. you do have really good social media stuff that actually adds value. Isn't all advertising all the time, which I love and is a sign that you know what you're doing. So I, I rec we'll put uh, links to your contact information, the website, everything in, um, in the show notes and grace, thank you for being a part of practice purchased. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.